Welcome to the Spark to Your Success. My name is TJ Dow and I believe we all have a bright spark inside. When you find yours and light it up, not only do you light up inside and that feels amazing, but you light up the world around you, allowing others to feel that amazing too. What a great gift to give, not just to yourself, but to the people around you. The Spark to Your Success podcast is designed to bring you a little inspiration, a little bit of insight and a lot of positivity into your day. So welcome to this episode for young people and the young at heart. Today, I have a real treat for you. Uh, Come and eavesdrop into an interview, a conversation that I had with a lady by the name of Faye Gennard. Uh, She is an engineer which is unusual for women, isn't it? And it's brilliant to see somebody in that profession. And uh, she was a delight to interview. I know that you're going to enjoy her tales, her stories, her messages and her enthusiasm. So come and join me in the conversation with Faye. So welcome to the Spark to Your Success, Faye. Thanks, DJ. It's great to be here. I am excited about our conversation. Stories to be told. Love a good story. So tell us who you are, what you do right now. I'm the founder of Renard Consultant Limited, which is a flood risk and drainage consultancy that specialises in pre-planning. Now, for anyone that's not technical, it basically means I do clever things with water. I love that. It's And it's great to see a woman doing a job like that because it's very stereotypical a man's world I would imagine yeah I think it's changing definitely changing now Uh, it's definitely I mean it's changed since I was there so when I was on my course sort of 10-15 years ago now (laughs) um you know there was probably 10% of the course was women but I think now um, uh, there's a lot more women taking up civil, sort of civil engineering. And I think in companies as well. I mean, it's still mostly men, um, but you, you do get a lot more um, women sort of taking that uh, career choice because it's a great career, you know, and it's a, it's a really diverse career as well, which is exciting. Like every day is different. So, um, yeah, no, it's a brilliant career. I recommend it to anybody. <laughs> oh, I, love that. I, I do love that. And I love that. You know, the world is changing and we're going to talk about the world is changing in a little while. I know you have some thoughts on the way that the world <laughs> is changing, especially for our young people. Mm. So when you were at school, they're asking that question, what do you want to be when you grow up? That question. <laughs> so like when you were choosing your options and things, uh, Tell us about what you wanted to do and what were people telling you you should do? Yeah, so um, I, w- I guess in some ways I've always been really lucky because I always once said I wanted to be an engineer. Um, right from a very early age, from when I was about four, apparently it was the first time I announced I wanted to be an engineer. And to be fair, I did have some insider knowledge because my dad, my uncle and my granddad were engineers. So I knew about the profession. It's not something that as a four year old I'd found out about. Yeah. Um, so um, couldn't spell it. <laughs> didn't, didn't really understand what an engineer was, but kind of knew that was, you know, I'd enjoyed um, Lego and that kind of thing. So I'd, I'd got that kind of interest anyway. Um, and sort of in primary school and things, obviously primary school is kind of that, uh, you know, you sort of get that breadth anyway. So, you know, I sort of said I wanted to be an engineer, but it was never really sort of focused on, you know, because you kind of learn everything at your primary school, yeah. you learn like your basics. Uh, got to sort of secondary school. Um, and if I'm honest, I had a tough time at secondary school. Um, so I was uh, I was overweight. So I'd started to get overweight at the back end of primary school. 
um, I used to do quite a bit of sports when I was in primary school so I had to eat a lot of, um, sort of carbs and that kind of thing mm. stopped doing the sports forgot to change the diet so <laughs> I continued yes. to eat all the carbs and the chocolate which I'd got away with when I was a bit younger yes. started to catch up with me a little bit um, I also suffered really badly with eczema so I had like quite a lot of um, eczema on sort of in between my el- um, elbows, on the backs yeah. of my knees and things. It was quite, it wasn't nice to look at. It used to, you know, weep a little bit as well. So it was, it was a really uncomfortable place to be. And I was overweight and generally just a bit uncomfortable being overweight. And I also wasn't that naturally bright either. So I didn't have, you know, on paper, <laughs> it didn't look like this engineering dream was going to come true. <laughs> um, because like I was getting bullied quite a lot because of obviously the overweight and the eczema. So, you yeah. know, it was a really tough time at school, sort of, um, you know, mentally and physically bullied. Didn't really talk to parents about it, kind of kept it a bit of a secret, kind of went into myself a little bit. Didn't, you know, just sort of try to get my head down, get on with things. But again, the the academia side, I wasn't naturally gifted at. And there was a lot of people that, you know, my teachers along the way sort of saying that we don't think she's going to be an engineer, to be honest. She's not strong enough. You know, her maths isn't strong enough. Her science isn't strong enough. Really terrible at English. Um, Potentially was a little bit dyslexic, but never got tested because I I didn't want that label (laughs) at the time. Again, there's nothing wrong with that. But I think I had enough going on in my life of being overweight eczema and not bright <laughs> to add another label to that yeah. so I, you know I never got tested but um yeah I really struggled with spelling and English and stuff so it was it was tough you know going through school um but I kept saying I want to be this engineer I want to be this engineer and I kept pushing that's what I wanted to do and I kept working at it you know I kept working at the maths I kept working at the science I knew I needed those subjects so I, I worked really hard at them um and I remember you know one of my earliest memories was coming out of secondary school with this uh, trophy for and they they created this trophy called the engineer and endurance award and my dad very lovely to put it he says it means you're not very good at it but you keep trying <laughs> and, um, and I, you know it was just one of those things I think that kind of summed up really so I kept working towards it and I think that kind of came from this uh, assembly I had initially um, in primary school um, and I had this brilliant headmistress in primary school called Mrs. Bedford. Um, and she used to do these little random assemblies um, occasionally. And we had this one on this topic of stickability. And it was this whole concept that no matter, you know, if you know where you want to go, it doesn't matter how long it takes you to get there, but just keep going for it. Mm. And I remember my mom saying that she I came out, it must have been about six or seven, came running out. I said, Mom, I've got stickability. My mom was like, <laughs> What's that? I said, I don't know, but I'm going to find out. <laughs> and, um, and I think that's basically what I did. It's like I found, I spent my life trying to find out what this stickability <laughs> was yeah. and kept sort of continually going towards that dream of being an engineer. Um, so I kind of left secondary school, you know, we sort of average grades. I kind of pulled it back in English. So um, I think in year eight I got predicted that I wouldn't pass English and it came out with an A so I turned that around quite yeah. a lot um so maths I managed to scrape a C um sciences I think I got B's you know so I had, I had sort of average grades but I got into a sixth form college which was quite a good college and um in all honesty college for me was definitely not about academia it was about finding out who I was I didn't know that was what it was going to be about I went in there with good intentions um, but what I actually did in college was completely find out who I was and got comfortable with me because I hadn't been that until that point you know I'd obviously been this this overweight girl with eczema I hadn't really got a strong group of friends around me I felt very isolated 
um you know the the, the group of friends that had got around me you know they, they were they were lovely people but they hadn't they hadn't got strong enough in themselves to be able to help me grow you know so if they saw me getting bullied they'd take a step back and then come in afterwards as opposed to defend me and I don't blame them for that yeah you know it's obviously you, you, it's really hard to put yourself in the firing line and you've got to be very comfortable to do that um so when I got to sixth form college um I met a great group of friends um through so I did I managed to get onto maths design technology physics and history um so I was studying those subjects at AS level not very well I spent an awful lot of time socializing a lot of time eating cheesy chips didn't do a lot for the weight to be honest so the weight was still a bit of an issue it was getting better (laughs) but yeah the cheesy chips was not helping that situation um but you know I met this great group of friends and I really got comfortable in who I was because they appreciated me for who I was you know and I'd gone through a stage at secondary school of trying to fit into all these different gangs and you know it's going to show my age now by naming the gangs but it was like the chavs and the grievos and the goths and I'd try to become all all of those I'd try to change my appearance to fit in with them yes and it didn't work because that wasn't who I was exactly and, it's and then I because you can't be a square peg in a round hole it's painful no. right you've got to find who you are yeah and I think at college that's what I did I found out who I was I found this um I, you know I enjoyed drama and I think drama gave me that ability to kind of fake it till I made it in some way so it was like I was almost pretending to be the, the person I wanted to be and getting comfortable on who that person was um through drama which was you know an interesting thing for somebody that's interested in science we would it that the two go together oh, yes it's like opposites isn't it yeah but I think you know that that confidence to be able to speak in public and, and yeah. do all that kind of stuff that came from drama as opposed to the sciences uh, got to the end of the first year at college and I got a U in maths, <laughs> I got an E in physics, an E in design technology and I got a C in history. Oh my gosh. And it came to the point that I had to sit down with my form teacher and sort of say what I was going to take forward. Um, and obviously, you know, he, he was he happened to be my history teacher at the same time. And when I announced that I was planning to drop history, I think he bruised his jaw with how it <laughs> dropped onto the table because obviously that was the best subject. That's what not what I was supposed to be doing. <laughs> so I was like, no, well, I need to co- I need to concentrate on these subjects because that's going to get me to where I want to be. But they obviously the challenge I'd got at that point was I'd, I'd failed maths. I hadn't even got a grade. <laughs> the paper was that bad, and despite the fact I told my mom that you studied for unbelievable, which <laughs> got me through got me through that first year. <laughs> I did have to fess up that it was actually unclassified at some point and it wasn't a grade (laughs) so um but it just so happened at that time that they started to change the syllabus so I had this opportunity where if um if I wanted to I so I couldn't continue on the syllabus I was doing Mm. because I'd failed Mm. so I wasn't allowed to continue on that but what I could do was reset my AS levels and A levels in one year right but the only way I could do that is if I convinced the rest of my class to do that as well. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and they were a lot better at math than I was. <laughs> so they'd got some pretty good grades by this point. So they were a lot more secure in their sort of journey. Um, but because I'd kind of developed who I was and I'd, I'd got this great group of friends and I was really good friends who were born in the class, even though I wasn't very good and they respected me for the person I was, yeah. they actually agreed to do it. 
Wow, that's amazing. So, yeah, so, and that's kind of, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful to them. And I can't turn around and say, if that had, hadn't have happened, I wouldn't have carried on because I, I think I would have. I'd have found another way to reset yeah. the year. I'd have done something. Oh, you've got stickability, right? Yeah, but the fact that that, you know, that group of sort of 20 kids that you know 16 17 year olds said no actually the only way she's going to be able to carry on in her dream is if we reset a whole year is amazing and they did that for me and I was I was just absolutely blown away by that and I think that was kind of that realization that I'd got this group of people that were going to help me get that dream mm. so the second year I worked a little bit harder TJ I can't say I really excelled at it again <laughs> but I did get some I managed to get a D and two E's so I got a D in design technology so I got that grade up yeah. and I got an E in physics and an E in maths yes um, which was enough to get me on a foundation course at University of Liverpool so I couldn't go obviously you know for those of you that don't know about engineering in universities you generally need three A's <laughs> so <laughs> I, I was a bit off that because obviously you have to keep buildings up so they want you to be sort of like to know what you're doing <laughs> and I obviously wasn't meeting that criteria at that moment in time so they knew they needed to do a bit more work on me but there was these foundation courses so I said right okay I'm going to do an extra year at university so I'll take that hit I want to do this I'm going to keep going so I did that and then it just clicked then I think because I'd had that two years at college becoming comfortable with who I was and I was happy I didn't need to do that at university so for me university was that opportunity to really focus and really say right okay I've had the fun yeah and now I need to kind of crack on if I'm going to do this dream I've got to actually do some work and by the end of that first year I'd gone from just scraping a pass in maths to getting a first class honours in maths so you know I really worked hard that year Ah, you did um and and after that it was kind of you know that that work progressed and I continued and I came out at the end of the master's with a a 2-1 in civil and maritime engineering so you know it wasn't an easy journey for me to do but I think because I knew which way I was heading you know it wasn't a nice straight path that I was following with no obstacles there was a lot of things in there that kept chucking their way in and you know there's a lot of personal things in the background that was going on as well but we we kept going forward and we kept moving and I knew I was always going to get there I didn't know when but there was no question in my mind that I was going to be an engineer and I got there in the end and I managed to qualify and I got um you know obviously a a 2-1 now that stickability carried on because unfortunately I graduated smack bang in the middle of the last recession. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, so that, that, that wasn't great timing on my part, to be honest. Um, so I kind of, I'd got a place lined up with quite a large consultancy. And unfortunately on the day of my last exam, I got a phone call to say that that wasn't going to happen. Um, unfortunately they were making cuts, they're making redundancies, they couldn't take me on. Um, they were really sorry they'd be in touch as soon as some places became available but it wasn't going to be yet so I'd then been left in this position where I was graduating from uni into a world where there was no jobs yeah and it was like right what am I going to do because I'd had a job lined up I'd not even looked for a job because I'd worked with this company every summer for the past five years of my course so I hadn't looked at any other companies I hadn't put any applications in so it was kind of sat there going oh dear um and I'd kind of in my head I'd got I was going to have this summer off it was like right that's it. I'm gonna have this great summer off I'm gonna go on holidays I'm gonna enjoy it because then September I'm gonna really crack on with my career yeah. that all went out the window obviously couldn't do any of that because no. I hadn't got I hadn't got a job <laughs> so um so I started off and I, I was very fortunate that my dad knew somebody that was working on a very small housing scheme he was literally building one house and he said look you know we'll I bumped into him in the in the in a shopping center and I told him about my situation he said well do you want to come and do some secretary work for me 
And I was like, yeah, okay, that's a start. It's a construction, isn't it? And he said, look, I'll take you out on site. You can see what they're doing. Yeah. You know, can you just do a bit of filing? So that was fine. I, I learned that I couldn't make coffee during that placement either. So I kept making this poor guy coffee and he never drank it. <laughs> and I, I realised afterwards that you don't make coffee like you make hot chocolate. You don't put three heat teaspoons in. <laughs> but uh, but I, I learned, you know, and yes. he taught me how to make coffee, which has been a valuable skill set going <laughs> <Yeah>. forward. <laughs> how to win um, friends and influence people. <laughs> Yes. but yeah but while I was there um I'd put my name out to a couple of agencies I'd not used agencies before but this I got this phone call out of the blue um which said oh you know we've got this opportunity and my boyfriend at the time that I'd, I'd met at college he was working in Telford and he sort of said and they said oh you know they were looking for a, a drainage engineer in Telford are you are you interested and I said yes <laughs> <laughs> and I, I did the interview and it was one of those strange interviews where it just felt like I was meant to be there yeah, and I remember talking to the I got I got the job uh, with a smaller consultancy, and then he said I've never seen anyone coming to an interview that was so confident. He said you came in and you were just you know it was like there was no question in your mind that you weren't. He said he wasn't cocky, you know it was it was respectful, but you came into that interview, and it was almost like you were part of the team already, uh-huh. and that's kind of how I felt. So and they were great, and they got me through through that year in that recession, and I got great experience with them. And then the, the larger consultancy sort of phoned and said, oh, you know, we've got positions now. Are you interested? The downside of that was that the position I was being offered was in Sheffield. Oh, wow. um, so and my husband was obviously working in Telford at that point. So I'd, I'd married the boyfriend. No, I'm kind of quite not married yet. But we were dating at that point and we decided we we're going to live together. Um, and so he was working in Telford. So the middle distance ground was a, a small village in the Peak District. And I was like, well, that's a move there then. So <laughs> I basically signed us both up to a two-hour commute each way. <laughs> so again, you know, I was really lucky in the fact that my husband could see that I needed to make this work and he supported me with yeah. that. And he was willing to sacrifice his sleep <laughs> and quite a long car journey yeah. um, to do that. And then, you know, I stayed with that consultancy for the best part of seven and a half years, you know, doing that two-hour commute each way. But again, people saying you're not going to be able to stick that out you're not going to be able to do that commute but I knew I was going to because I wanted to and I enjoyed it so it was that kind of knowing what you want and being comfortable with what you want Mm. and then if people can't necessarily see how you would do it it, it's not it doesn't mean it can't be done yeah I think and I think that was something that great lesson mm, yeah so sorry I went to school to job there but (laughs) We, we went a whistle stop tour through oh. your life, isn't it? <laughs> so, these young people won't understand this is your life. I was going to say, I've been oh. running account, but that would go over their heads. Oh, no. I am sure <laughs> you know, they are talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so, that I know I was just jotting a few notes down as you're talking there, Faye. I just like the and lots of peas on my page a page full of peas <laughs> I know that's a bit worried isn't it <laughs> that power of purpose that you knew like what you wanted to do and perseverance was my next thing and that just that stickability powering you through keeping going keeping going keeping going and then when at college that wonderful peer group that you got that supported mm. you that is fantastic 
So yeah. peer for peer group, who you surround yourself with is so, so key. And they were just amazing and doing that. And mm. then again, in your now husband, you know, supporting you in that as well. And so mm. I think the power of who you surround yourself with your peer group really shone through that and the power of what's mm. possible when you do that. But also, you know, just the obstacles that were in your way, the things that people said, oh, you know, that's going to be difficult or you'll never stick at that or mm. how are you going to make that work? And we were talking about earlier, you were telling me some stories. And I want you to tell those stories because they're brilliant. But the parallel, so you kind of found yourself in uh, the first recession. No jobs, yes. And so the parallels of that to pandemic. So there were my other two Ps, parallels yeah. to pandemic. Uh, so let's talk about, uh, I'm interested in you sharing um, your views on what's going on right now. And especially with young people in the pandemic. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm not taking away, this is a rubbish time for everybody. And I don't think it is uh, a year last year and sort of coming into this year. It's a, it's a year that any of us imagined. And I think had we have known what was coming, we'd have all been bricking it. <laughs> you know, we'd have all been in like a mass panic. So in some respects, it was quite good. We didn't know what was coming and we just had to deal with it. And I think sometimes that, that that's part of the lesson. Um, but I mean, I, I like to think of myself as a fairly positive person and I try and always look for the opportunities in things and, and how we can potentially turn something that is a bit of a negative into a positive. And I think there are there are still some really positive things to come from from the pandemic, you know, and as, as hard as that seems, I mean, there's been a lot of negative and things, but um there's a lot of there's a lot of good things that potentially could come from this and then you know for me personally I've had the opportunity to spend time with my daughter yes you know which I've never had before because I think sometimes life gets so busy that you you forget you're just literally trying to just deal with the next thing so I've just got to get to this weekend I've just got I've just got to do this I've just got to do that and all of a sudden you realize like six months has gone by and you just where's that time gone and I actually you know during the the pandemic uh, um I got made redundant and it was that that gave me the opportunity to start the business. Now, again, when I sort of started telling people, I'm going to start a business in a global pandemic, that was met with some scepticism. And I can understand people's concerns because, you know, again, on paper, it is not the best time to start a business. You know, there's a lot of redundancies going on. There was a lot of people, a lot of nervous. Everyone's a little bit nervous. They're trying to, you know, make some sense of it all. Um, but for me, it was kind of looking at it and going, well, actually, this is probably the best time for me to do it because I've got this I've got this opportunity where there's a lot of support out at the moment. You know, there's a lot of people that want to help people. Mm. Um, it's also a time as well where, you know, we, we got to a position that financially we, we got time to do it. You know, all our expenditures are gone. I wasn't paying to put my daughter in nursery because they were shut. Yeah. Um, you know, we hadn't got the expense of going out. There was a lot less distraction. I don't want to call it distraction, but, you know, sort of the, the, the pressures of life as in going to see, you know, there wasn't so many social engagements. There wasn't there wasn't anything. I just literally got, you know, life had been broken down to its bare minimum, which actually freed up an awful lot of time for me to start concentrating and start to think how I'm going to make this work. Also, everything switched to online, which, again, for me, that gave me a massive reach um, in terms of who I could talk to and how I could, um, you know, the networking opportunities I could do. So I did a lot of virtual networking that if I'd had to have actually drove and seen those people in person, I'd have only got half of the probably the people I'd seen. Um, a lot of the 
online tools became free. So things like Microsoft Teams and Zoom and all that stuff, all that was free. So there was no cost for me to invest in software. It was all freely available for me to use. So for me personally, it was it was a massive positive, you know. And I, I mean, I'm not saying, you know, I, I sort of I'd, I'd love another pandemic. I don't. I'd like this bit to be over now. Thank yes. you very much. But you know, it's looking for those opportunities. Okay, well, life's different at the moment. But but what does that bring us? And I know, sort of, just before this call, we were having a chat, and I think the thing that really excites me about this younger generation that's going through this pandemic is what are they going to achieve because of it. And one of the some of the great stories that I've seen in the press that aren't publicised as much or if you sort of go on sort of forums and things on the Internet is about kids that have created these software packages that can make them look that. And I'm not condoning this, by the way, I'm just going <laughs> to put this out there like you should not do this and you should you definitely do be doing your lessons. <laughs> but, you know, there was, there's, there's a case of like an eight year old that's actually managed to upload a video of him looking like he's in a Zoom call. So his teachers think that he's there. And then he's actually just off playing in his room or, or doing whatever he wants to do in the day. And it took about six weeks before they clocked that this was happening. <laughs> and, for, you know, for me at eight, you know, we were only just beginning to figure out what a computer was. Again, showing my age. But, um, you know, the, the fact that they're already going to have these skills and the fact that they've been able to transition to be able to have online classes, you know, the, the world of work we've had to transition to doing everything online and it's not been smooth for us mm -hmm. because we're not as technically literate as potentially the younger generation that have grown up with this technology yeah. um so i just i just think it, it you know it's this fantastic and i'm excited to see what this generation and how this generation have got these opportunities to go well actually you know what we've got this different skill set which is actually what we're going to use to make the world a better place and i think it's a it, it is tough but I think there's some fantastic opportunities out there. And I think the resilience that kids are going to start having now, the fact that they've gone through this mm. and they're going to come out of this with their grades, you know, and they're going to be able to progress and they're still going to be able to carry on. It's, it's fantastic. And, you know, if you can get your grades through a global pandemic, nothing is going to stop you back at all. You know, if you can get through this bit, you can achieve anything and I think that is an incredibly exciting thing and I am extremely excited to see what the younger generation can do with with that and I love that that is such a brilliant message because there is such a lot of doom and gloom about them being the lost generation and their mental health will be impacted for their lives and they'll not get a job for 15 years and it's all just media hype and it isn't the truth at all. And I love when I meet people like you that just can see the complete opposite to that. Mm -hmm. And those are the messages that need to get out there. This is an exciting time and opportunity. I agree totally. And I saw a great, like, I listen, I mean, I've started listening to a lot of podcasts. That's one thing I've really enjoyed over lockdown because, again, I was a little bit of a, you know, civil engineers and even being a bit of dinosaurs, to be honest. Like, some of my lectures used to be on acetate that's how yeah. that's sort of how sort of old school we are we're not particularly technical you know we, we're getting there yeah we're probably the, the, the back end of the engineering in terms of getting the technology up to date um but I started listening to a lot of podcasts over sort of lockdown and things and there was this great one um by the mindset mentor and he had this visualization about these two flower pots and one flower pot was a negative and one was a positive and you had a watering can which was your energy and you can choose to put your energy into the negative or the positive. And whichever one you put, the flower's going to grow. Yeah. And the other one isn't. 
but actually why why don't we make that positive flower grow yes. and I thought that was just a really nice simple thing to say actually where am I putting my energy am I putting it into the negative media coverage am I putting it into the fact that the world is in a really bad place mm. or am I saying actually you know what there's these fantastic opportunities out there the world we've still got stuff to do we've still got to keep the world spinning yeah. let's let's get that positivity out there I totally agree and uh, um, I think the exciting thing is that just the opportunity that our kids have had even like that eight-year-old like to have the opportunity to innovate and have the time because they've been at home to really focus on that creativity which I think we're going to really see and will bear fruit uh, once we kind of get through this and out the other side I think we have a generation that is going to be very purposeful and very powerful and uh, like you I'm very excited so if you could go back and give your 15 year old 16 year old self a piece of advice say what would it be uh I think it would probably be just just do it you know I think that's probably something you know I mean when, when I was sort of talking about the past it sounded like I was very focused and very you know nothing sort of stopped me I was like a steam train but there are times in my life that I've gone is this the right call? Am I doing, you know, it potentially that path looks a little bit easier or should I go this way? And you spend a little bit of time dithering sometimes yeah. and, you know, not necessarily um, keep progressing. So, yeah, I think definitely stop overthinking it and just get on with it. And, you know, because I think it, it'd be, you want to get to the end of your life and not look back and go, what if? that's kind of the aim of life is to sort of go right you know sort of skid into the end of life and go yes I've done it yeah. as opposed to sort of like meander through and sort of go well what is it I wonder what would happen if I'd have done it this way or that way um, and I think at the moment I'm kind of at that point that I love everything I do you know I, I love the opportunities I've had I love I love engineering I love civil engineering I love the diversity of the career and you know, it's something I always focus on when I go. I do sort of like talks in schools and things occasionally. Um, and I always sort of obviously promote civil engineering because that's what I'm there to do. But the thing I always end with is actually, I love civil engineering, but it's okay for you not to love it. But what you need to do is find something that you love and get someone to pay you to do it. And that is the goal of a successful career, you know, because we need all kinds of people to make the world work, you know, for what whatever sort of your passion is there's a place for you there you haven't got to change what your passion is for anybody your passion is what makes you you and you know that's what's going to make you good at what you do so yeah find out what that passion is and then just go and show the world I think that's that's probably the thing that I'd sort of say to anybody and I do say at the end of my sort of stem talks (laughs) hey you have been a wonderful guest I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation some perseverance on power of what's possible and I love stickability mm. <laughs> yeah thank we all need stickability <laughs> yes yeah and thank then. you so much for sharing uh, thanks for having me TJ <laughs> well what a delight to interview Faye that really was a fun interview and I loved all the great messages the great stories the tales that she told fantastic really brilliant information and insight there and peas lots of peas and so you have been listening to me TJ Dow on this is about to your success podcast until next time go live with peas
not the green kind, but the peas that are passion, purpose, perseverance, a great peer group, and go and be powerful. See you next week. Bye for now. <laughs>